Go ahead and grab out your Bible, something to take some notes with as we study God's Word today. We're in part three of our series uh, in the book of James called A Faith That Still Moves. Uh, Part three is actually uh, one of the most difficult to teach, but I think one of the most difficult to hear, and we'll get to that. But we've just been looking through the book of James, chapter by chapter, and James is full of practical wisdom in how to live out this Christian life. Uh, you read through the book, James is, he does not mince words, he does not like pull punches, he just says exactly what he wants to say, and exactly how things should be if we're going to follow Christ and live our lives as examples. And it's written to church Christians, it's uh, just like us, and James does not shy away from any topic. And so chapter 1, we talked about pain and trials in this life, how God can work through the midst of those, how there can be purpose in the middle of pain. How there can be things going on inside of us to build perseverance and character and hope in chapter 1 and week 1. Week 2, last week we talked about uh, discrimination. And so chapter 2 is all about how we treat the people in our lives. And then I hope we're helping this. I hope we're taking this in. I hope each week as I go through it, I try to look at something and I am finding lots of things in my life. Uh, week one and week two, lots of ways that are blind spots to us that we don't see the way we're acting. And James comes around a corner and slaps us upside the head. So it's a great time, everybody. So next up in chapter three is another hard hitting. James is full of wisdom. He is full of things we don't want to hear. And so I feel like some of us are like enough with the practical. Give me theoretical, right? Like just go back to the abstract. Like let's not talk the practical side because today we get to talk about the words that we say. We get to talk about the things that we are saying, not only to ourselves, but to the people around us. The things that we are sowing into our lives with our words. And I think you'll probably find, as I have, just in being convicted from preparing the message, that all of us are covered in some way. All of us have something here where we fall short. And we'll just kick it off in verse 1. And James 3, verse 1, it actually starts out with kind of a weird thought. It says, not many of you should become teachers fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. So while I believe that you should have some form of ministry, that you should, I believe it's an amazing thing to go into. This is what you have to look forward to. All right, everybody get judged more strictly. And then in verse two, though, this is the message for us today. He says, we all stumble in many ways. And I want you to see here, there are several things that James tells us about our words. That's the context here about the things that we say. We're probably going to find ourselves a little bit in these And then we'll see what he has to say about how to fix it. How do we tame our tongue? How do we actually fix the words that we're saying? But he starts off this chapter saying, okay, we all stumble in a variety of ways. And that word stumble in the Greek is the word for sin. We mess up. We miss the mark. We all fall short in some way. And the context, again, the topic is the words that we speak. You'll see this entire portion of the chapter. It's just dealing with the things that come out of our mouths. And honestly, I think it's a neglected topic. I think we gloss over it, and I think we add it into other subjects, but we never really meet it head on in the things that we're saying and the consequences that it has, that we mess up. So first thing, jot it down if you're taking notes today. The first thing is our words are hard to control. James is not hard to understand. He is hard to do. This is an incredibly hard book to live out in our lives. This incredibly hard book to begin to put into place as Christians. And I want us to see this, if chapter 1, we had a difficult time with it, if chapter 2 really pricked at your heart, chapter 3, I think, is the one that we will be the most embarrassed about, myself included, come on somebody, it's the words that we say. 
Every one of us stumble in different ways. The truth is there are a lot of different ways for us to sin with our words. We gossip and we lie and we slander and we flatter and we boast about things and we exaggerate in different areas of our lives. Some of us, it's things that we shouldn't be saying. Some of us, it's things that we should say that we don't. And too often in our lives, reality, it's hard to control this area. And we'll see today, there are so many ways to get tripped up. And man, James is like, it is really hard to control our words. It's really difficult. He goes on in verse 2 to say, anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect. Able to keep their whole body in check. Two things he's actually saying to us here. The word perfect there is not faultless or sinless. This is actually the word, it means mature and complete. So a couple of things James is saying. He's saying if you're able to control your tongue, that is a sign of maturity. In fact, if you have that maturity, then you're going to be able to control every other part of your life. All the rest of your body comes into check. All the rest of your things come into check. If you have, it's an indicator of other things in your life. So jot it down this way and we'll break it down a little bit. Our words display both our maturity and our spiritual health. And most of the time we don't like that. I had somebody who used to tell me, he was like, what, the way that you act when you play sports just reveals what's inside of you. That the sponge gets squeezed and that comes out. And I hated that till I realized he was right. And I don't know if I ever played sports with you when I was in high school, but I apologize from the pulpit, all right? I just apologize. We're going to work some things out. But our words display our maturity and our health. And if you don't like it, probably because it's true. That it shows what's going on. The words we speak let people know just how mature we are. And we all know this to be true, especially if you've ever raised children. Uh, my wife, Alyssa, and I, we have three kids. And our middle child, uh, and Liam, he, uh, he's, he's our second son. And he, uh, he loves to make people laugh. And so he gets five bucks today because I told you when I tell stories about my children, they get five dollars and uh, they're happy and we're happy. So it just all works out in the right way. But Liam loves to make people laugh. When he was four or five, though, he realized, still loved to make people laugh, still very immature. I don't know why at four or five years old he would have any kind of immaturity, but he did. And he loved to make and he realized if he mixed the word poop with anything, it would make people laugh. There you go. That's what I'm just talking about. And so he started, he loves this. So he would start to mix it. You'd be like, hey, Liam, what you got, a sandwich there? He'd be like, it's a poopy sandwich. (laughs) Just anything. So I thank all of you for helping my child, reinforcing that in his life. So we had to have a talk with Liam about how we keep our poop jokes at home and how we keep. And, of course, I'm looking at my wife like, from where does he learn this? From where? I only speak the king's English. I don't know what he's. But when you talk to somebody. It always displays, within a few minutes of them talking, but it always displays the maturity in their life, the words that we speak. We have to keep a watch on our words. I remember in high school, I was um, in a kind of like a civics study class. We had to do this social uh, study project where we had to go out and do patterns and behaviors and interviews with people and keep track and do all those things. And it came time to present. And so we've all got our papers. We're going to present. One of my classmates got up and they began to read their project. And about five sentences in, I realized what their project was. They were reading every word that I had spoken a couple of days before for the entire day without me knowing it. It was a bad moment, everybody. Can I just say like, it was not a not a fun moment. It wasn't like a moment of, oh, how wise and oh, how great and oh, how funny. And how it was a bad time to hear all of the words that I had said without knowing somebody was recording me were being read now out loud. Now, did I learn a lesson? No, it was just embarrassing. That's just the way it was. But anytime you talk with anybody for just a few minutes, you will understand, you will come to understand very quickly exactly where they are in their maturity level. Our words display our maturity 
And in the same aspect, he says, now, if you could mature your tongue, you could find somebody who holds their tongue, who always says the right thing. They're able to keep their whole body in check. See, it's not only a sign of maturity, the words that we say, it's also a sign of spiritual health. Because the words that we're speaking reveals to people just how healthy we are. And the reality is a lot of us are fairly unhealthy in our souls. We're fairly unhealthy in the words. And I pray we can help ourselves with that today as we study through James chapter 3. Because you go to the doctor and you're not feeling well. You need like a checkup. They check your tongue. It is an indicator of internal health. Just in the physical, in the spiritual as well, the words we say are indicators of our spiritual health. The way that we talk and the way that we say things. Like if you've ever been in line at like the post office or I don't know, a restaurant or somewhere. You ever struck up a conversation with somebody else who's in line? Some of you are like, that's crazy talk. I don't talk to anyone. I do what I need to do and I get out. I put my AirPods in so no one will talk to me. That's what you do. I understand you people. But if you've ever had a conversation with somebody in line, or you've ever just tried to strike up something just like you're all waiting and so you're, hey, it's in the great weather outside. Come on, somebody. Like we've had 800 months of blistering heat. And so now it finally looks like the Lord actually does love us. And we have some rain and some cool weather and some wind. You ever start to talk to them and you're just like just trying to pass the time. And they look at you and they're like, yeah, until the government ruins our lives. And the one world conspiracy steals my tinfoil and makes us all slaves. And you're like, what does this person have to talk about over here? Maybe they... You ever had that moment where you're like, where did that come from? I didn't do that. Like, I didn't, I didn't push that button. I didn't. We're just having a conversation, right? We're just like, I, that was already inside of you. That wasn't me. You can tell very quickly where someone is just in the words that they speak. And you can pretty much figure out, yeah, there's something going on in there. Something going on underneath. The truth is we get into these areas with our words just because we're unhealthy. We get into sinful areas with our words because we're unhealthy. And so we gossip because we want people to know that we know something. Or we want people to think that we know and it's important to know and so then we feel important. Or maybe we're exaggerating things because we need validation from the people in our lives. Or we need that, that whatever it is to try to impress somebody to do it. Or we do it because we want to feel important. I worked for a campus ministry uh, in college and we did an outreach where we would feed a bunch of people and hope they would all come. Because if you ever want to catch college students, you bring food, right, everybody? That's just the way that it works. No food, nobody is coming. And so we put all the food out and we had this big event and we had music and speakers and all the kind of stuff. And we got into it and a lot of people showed up, but we couldn't figure out how to count how many people showed up. Because we wanted to measure how big an impact are we having. And I remember there was about five of us in a circle looking at this group of people and nobody could figure out how to count them. And one person was like, maybe we can count how many plates we gave out for the food. And I had already taken like four plates myself. And so I knew that was a bad idea. And so then somebody was like, maybe we can like, like guess fifties and hundreds and try to like figure it out that way. Nobody could figure out how to count probably four to 600 people there. If we were just, just maybe just be, but what happened is the event was over and a couple of days later, uh, the campus newspaper printed something that one of our guys had sent them and with a picture and the headline, when I grabbed the headline said thousands come to SLC lawn party. Thousand. You could tell the picture was like cropped in and like just showing the front line of people. It was thousand. I remember we got to the uh, next day we had a little meeting amongst all of us and we looked at it and we were like, man, that's a straight up lie. Like, you know, he's like, what? I rounded up. I wanted to make because we wanted people to feel like we were doing something important. We wanted to feel like we were having an impact. And that guy probably went on to work for several political campaigns or something. I don't know. He probably, <laughs> or he pastored a church. I don't know. One or the other. Just. <laughs> 
We want people to think we're making a difference. And so we lie with our words. We get into things of prideful boasting or manipulating people. And every time we do it, it's because we're not okay. But we want people to think we are. We want people to think that we're okay or that we're great or that we're special. And when we get healthy, I want you to see this, then suddenly we don't need all of those things anymore. When we get healthy in our spirit, really healthy, not just external that people are looking at, but actually healthy in our souls, you find you don't need those things. You don't wake up every day needing some kind of revalidation or hoping that somebody, you know, said something about you or posted something or that somebody gives you that validation that you're looking for. We get healthy in our souls. We don't need that stuff anymore. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. All right. Then he goes on in verse three. He says, and they put bits of horses and mouths of horses to make them obey us. And we can turn the whole animal. So now he's talking about how small it is, but how big of an impact it has. Verse four, take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they're steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. So the pilot can use it to direct the ship in any direction he wants. Verse five, likewise, the tongue is just like that, a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. What I want you to see here from the bit and from the rudder, jot it down if you're taking notes, our words direct our lives. That the things that we're saying, not only does it display our maturity and our health, but it's also setting the course for the direction of our lives. And my issue is that so many of us are setting a course that we don't actually agree with. And so we're saying words and we're setting direction and we're doing a course that we actually don't intend to go down, but we're saying it. It's a direction we actually don't want to go, but the truth is we're setting the course for our family, for our careers, for our relationships with our spouse, for the relationships with our children. And we're saying things that we actually don't want to go that direction. The Bible says it's a rudder, it's a bit that's directing our lives. Even though it's small, it has a big say in the things that are happening to us. And so here's a little practice I think would be good to revive in our lives. And every time you say, so here's just something to give you just as practical. I tried to be as practical as James is. Something to kind of give you an idea. Just to give you to wake up to the words that we're saying. Every time you say something, do it for a week. Every time you make a statement, end that statement and that's the way I want it. And then you can say, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh, if you want to afterwards, all right? But think about it. I think it would change the way that we speak. My kids are always going to disobey and they'll never seek the Lord or they'll never do it in their lives. And that's the way I want it. I think it would change the way when we make these statements or you say, well, I'm, I'm always going to be in debt and we're never going to stop overspending. And that's the way I want it. Or I'm always going to be out of shape and I'll never have the discipline to get in the gym. And that's the way I want it. You see, reality is the words that we're saying are setting the course for our lives. And the simple principle, jot it down if you're taking notes, is if you want to see it, you're going to have to learn how to say it. Now, I need you to listen to me very carefully in this section, because this is not name it and claim it, blab it and grab it, kind of off the wall voodoo theology. Because some people have it in their minds that God is like a genie or a slot machine. And if you just say it, it will magically appear. That is, that's a whole other sermon. That's heresy of the worst kind. But what I am saying, if you point the rudder of your life towards the rocks, you will hit the rocks every single time. The words that we are saying are directing our lives because we are saying them and we are beginning to believe them and we are setting a course that none of us intended to go down. But we say it and we say it and we say it and then suddenly it starts to actually believe in our lives that that's the only way it could possibly be. 
And too often times the words we are saying, I would encourage you instead of saying all these words that we have come up with to find a promise in God's word and begin to say that over your life. Begin to see what God's word has to say about your situation. So instead of speaking your own words that are sabotaging your marriage, sabotaging your career, sabotaging your relationship with your children, you find what God's word is and you begin to speak life into your situation. You begin to see what he has to say about you because subconsciously, every time you say it, you begin to believe the words that you say. And then it leads your life in all kinds of directions you never intended to go down. Let's start speaking God's word over our situation. Every time we're tempted to say, man, I'm bankrupt and there's no way I'm ever going to be a blessing to others. No way I'm ever going to live out the call of God on my life because of this area isn't going the way I want. We need to stop and say, you know what? I know my situation looks bleak and I know my finances may be thin, but my God will supply all of my needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. And if I don't have it, then I don't need it to do what God has called me to do. If it's not in my life, then I don't need it for the season God has called me to. Some of y'all, we need to get our theology a little bit straighter. Because some of us, listen to me, God has no problem getting money to you or away from you. Come on, somebody. We're going to use our, use our minds a little bit. Because some of you, the fact that God hasn't blessed you is a blessing in your life. Because some of us are $1 million away from stupid. Come on, somebody. Put that on a bumper sticker. <laughs> I'd go over really well with you. Put that that on my fridge. Or maybe you say, my circumstances look worse than they've ever been. And depression is trying to take a hold of my life. Trying to grip my heart. But the Bible says, I'll say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my strength. My God and him I'll trust. And no weapon formed against me will prosper. His kingdom's going to keep marching forward. You take a word from God's word to begin to speak it over your life. Instead of these words, we are saying, and we are speaking death. Instead, you look in the Bible and you find what God has said. About your situation. You find what he has said about the things that we're walking through. We got to start speaking life. Because too many of us, we find ourselves in a spiral with the words that we speak. And we say, well, I'll never and I'll always. And it'll never happen. And this thing will never come through. And that. And we're just speaking death in our lives. We got to begin to change the words that we speak. Some of y'all are thinking, well, I'll be in line at Krispy Kreme. Come on, because the hot light is on. And I'll just pray, Lord, I'm eating 60 donuts instead of 70 donuts. Because that's just... Praise the Lord because of the self-control in my life. I will just be on that thing. We got to change the words that we say. So oftentimes we are speaking death. Back to our text. He said, consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. Again, a little thing that is causing massive impact in our lives. Reality is you can burn the whole forest down with a small spark. We saw that when we had the burn ban and all of you went out and lit everything on fire for a couple of months. It was like they said, don't burn. And all of you were like, yes, we have to burn something right now. It says a small spark can burn down the entire forest in the same way the tongue is also set on fire. He says a world of evil among the parts of the body corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. James does not mince words. He says your tongue is set on fire by hell itself. Very strong. And I want you to see the point here. Jot it down if you're taking notes. Our tongue also destroys the things that we care about the most. So not only does it display our maturity and our health, not only is it setting direction in our lives, but too many times, too many times, it is destroying our relationships. It's destroying the things that we care about. And we say that we do, but we're tempted in all of these areas. And hell itself fills our mouths with the words that we want to speak. And we need to be reminded of this when we are like driving ourselves into conflict. Somewhere in the lead up, before the great blow up, we need to remind ourselves, my tongue is set on fire by hell itself. 
Because when you are headed home and you're thinking, I'm going to say this and then I'm going to say that. And if they say this, I'm going to slap them with that. And if they do, and I'm going to say, I'm going to tell them exactly how I feel. We need to be reminded, and so do I, so often in those times, of the fact that those words probably don't come from Jesus. The words that we want to say, the words that we're just going to, our kids are going to say that one thing and we are finally going to let them have it. We are full of compassion and grace, but they said that. And now we're going to let them know. Or we have been keeping a log for that one day that our boss finally says the wrong thing. And then we're going to let him have it. We're going to let him. We're going to let fly with all those things. Our tongue is set on fire. And if you really pause for a minute and you thought back to all the times in your life that you said exactly what you wanted to say. You really let him. You let it fly. There was never a moment in the middle of that conversation with your kids that they suddenly stopped and said, you know what? You are right. I am horrible. I am a bad person. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Mother. You have taught me the error of my ways. Because you have told me how terrible I am, I will now grow up to be a well-adjusted and competent adult. This is just amazing. This moment, That never happens. They're never like, yes, I shouldn't flush the whole toy down. The t-. You are right. I understand the cons. Thank you so much for telling me about this. Thank you, for wa- thank you for giving me this core memory of how mad you can possibly get. This will now set me on a trajectory of success in my life. That never happens. Your spouse is never like, you are so right. Never have I taken the trash out. Never in our entire lives have I ever done that. Never have I done it. In 50 years of marriage, never have I taken the trash out. Never have I complimented you. Never has it. I've never said a kind word. And I am so, I am so thankful that you have criticized and demeaned and said those horrible things about me. Because now our marriage will be on a new and successful path. Thank you. Thank you for saying that. Never does that happen. We got to remember when we are headed into this moment that it never turns out that they're like, thank you for saying how toxic you are about me. I just really helps. But never our tongues are set on fire by hell itself. And if we remembered that, I think we would keep it a little bit more in our mouths instead of hurling insult and death at every person in our lives. That's good preaching. Thank you very much. All right. Proverbs chapter 18. It says this. Watch. The power of life and death is in the tongue. The power of life and death. Every encounter that you have with your words, you have the ability to do one of two things. You are either giving life or you are taking life. You don't have the ability to be neutral. Every conversation, everything that you speak, every person you come into contact with, you are either giving life, you are building up, or you are taking you are causing death in our interactions. And every time we have these, we have to remember our tongues are set on fire by hell itself. When we actually say these things that we think are therapeutic in the moment, but they're destroying the things we care about. You go down this road, you will destroy every relationship. And then we wonder why things aren't working out. We wonder why everything's not just great and nobody wants to talk with us. And we don't have the relationships that we really want to have with other people. Well, the idea is, James tells us, you've got to remember your tongue is this dangerous instrument. I think we just don't think about it. We think our minds and our hearts. We've got to trust, you know, keep a watch over our eyes and keep a watch over our ears. And we need to do all those things are good. But we forget about what's actually coming out. We forget about what we're actually saying. And James says, it's a small thing and it really doesn't seem like a big deal. But that small spark will burn the whole forest down. We've got to learn how to tame the tongue. Well, James, I think, gives us three things in the last part of this passage that can help us this week. Three things if we want to fix it. And like I said, I have been convicted all week long, but three things that we wanted to say, we could do. Drop down to verse 9 of our text. He says, with the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, 
And with it, we curse human beings. Come on, somebody. This is somebody's speaking to somebody. Not us, but speaking to somebody. We curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Describing a situation I think is too common to Christians. We come into moments like this, like a worship service on a Sunday. And we sing songs that we love to sing. And everybody's worshiping. And we got our hands and we're like, oh, praise you, Lord. And thank you, Jesus. And I just love you. And we sing the songs. Here I am to worship. Here I am to lift my hands. Here I am to do And we get in the car and we're like, you horrible, filthy person. You did this and you said that. And we did rah, rah, before we even leave the parking lot. Come on, somebody. And we like look right. And there's someone at the overhang like staring at you. And we're like smiling and waving. And then you're just right back on the road. Like you said, and I just can't believe. And you did that. And James says, we praise our Lord and Savior. We praise our Father. And with it, the same mouth, we curse people. And that this should not be so. We come to church. And we have a wonderful time. And some of y'all, before we even get out there, we're just like, bleepity, you, you did, and you said, and, and somebody's blocking the overhang, and it's raining, and how could that, and then we get, and then we get back in, come on, y'all are too holy to be honest with each other at church, all right? Or we get in the car, and road rage rises, some of my road rage people, you're my, you're where, and we look at that, come on, in Baton Rouge, if you are not having road rage, you are causing our road rage, come on, somebody, all you people, this, and we're shouting at the people on the right, and we're letting this thing, <laughs> Or we get home and we're shouting at each other, having intense fellowship in our marriages. We're just having that that moment. We're just this thing and you never and you said you would. And I just can't believe. And what's this text I got from Amazon? What are you buying now on Amazon? Come on, somebody. Just we just paper our house with Amazon boxes. That's what you just we're bleeding us dry. And you never said and you were going to come. And then our phone rings and it's our small group leader. Come on, somebody. And we're like, and, and I got to take this. Hello. Oh, yes, yes. Oh, oh, we'll be there. Oh, yes. Praise the Lord. Yeah, we would love. Oh, we'll come. We need us come early. Oh, we'll bring whatever you. Oh, we will be there. We will both be there. And that person's waving their hand. You're like, oh, yes, we love to come. We just praise the Lord. Oh, I would love to give my testimony. That would be amazing. Yeah, that would touch so many. I'll praise that. Okay, bye bye. We hang out. We're like, and you said that you would never. Bye bye. We praise God with one mouth and we curse. And James says, brothers and sisters, this should not be so. But we do it. So often we use the same. Isn't it amazing how we will say such amazing, beautiful things to God, but we will say such horrible things to people. And he says, but they're made in God's likeness. Bible says we shouldn't have that duplicity in our lives. Out of the same mouth come praising and cursing. Watch this in James no signal, HDMI input one. Come on, somebody. <laughs> you got to pull out your real Bible. Come on, somebody. You got to pull out. Who brought it? Who brought their actual? <laughs> no, it's an incredible team back there. I promise if there are any mistakes, in the day, it is my, on my own, all right? It is my own thing. Incredible team. Look how fast they are. They are incredible back Can we give a round of applause? Yeah. We don't acknowledge them enough. Man, the stuff they do Sunday to Sunday, I would be lost up here without it. But James talks about this. He says, hey, there should not be with one breath you praise God and with the next breath you curse people. With the next breath you are cursing my brothers and sisters. This should not be. If we're in this situation where we're praising God and cursing people, first thing we have to recognize, jot it down if you're taking notes, is we have to admit that there's a problem. We got to admit that there's a problem. Verse 2 started off, remember, with that reminder. Hello, everybody. 
All of us stumble. Every single one of us stumble in our words. Every single one of us have a problem with this. And the first step to change is admitting that there is a problem. That, yeah, I do that. I do gossip and I do manipulate. I do exaggerate or boast. I'm highly critical. Maybe I just, it's just hard for me to see the bright side of things. I'm so cynical about everything in my life. I just find the bad. With all of us, whatever it is, we have to take a step back and say, okay, there is a problem. Okay, there is something wrong. The Bible's right. I can't be a Christian and say these wonderful things to God and all these horrible things to and about people. It's not supposed to be that way. It's a problem that needs to change, right? So then he goes on. Watch this in verse 7. We'll go back to verse 7. He says, all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being... Watch this. It seems like a strange thought, this thing about the animals. It's like, okay, what's he... But watch watch what he's trying to say. He says, there are a lot of things that you can do. A lot of things under your own power and abilities. God's put skills and talents in our lives. A lot of stuff we can really get going. I can make some things happen. I can produce and I can do all of these things. He said, there's a lot of things you can do. We can tame all kinds of animals, make them obey us. But here's the problem. Verse 8, he says, but no human being can tame the tongue. Sermon over. Go home, everybody. Like, that's just, that's it. That's all I got for you. He says, nobody, nobody can tame. There's not one of us that has enough power, enough willpower to tame our tongue, to change this ourselves. He said, it's a restless evil. It's full of deadly poisons. So well, first of all, we got to admit there is a problem. But then jot it down if you're taking No, Second thing we have to admit is that we ourselves, we have to accept, I'm not able to fix it on my own. I know there is a problem. And maybe we're seeing the gravity of it. Maybe we just kind of thought it's just this little thing. But maybe we're seeing now that it's destroying incredible things in our lives. Relationships that we actually care about. But then we have to admit and accept the fact that we're not able to change it on our own. We can't fix this. And I think this is a huge step for some people. Some people get in this Christian life and we think, well, if I just have enough willpower... If I could just manage to do it, I would change it on my own. I th- if I could just do it, like we can tame lions, James. Says. We, can, we can tame animals. I can make killer whales jump through a hoop. Well, I can't. Somebody can make them jump through. We've done all these things. Even in Bible times, he's saying they can tame all of these things, but you can't handle your own mouth. You can't handle the words you say. You know, I don't have the ability to change it on our own. And so we get to the place that we're willing to admit, yeah, if I'm left to myself, I will gossip. I will manipulate. I'm going to lie. I'm going to do the things that I'm ashamed of and bring damage to my relationships. And I realize I can't do it on my own. So then what do we do? Back to our text, verse 11. He says, can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? So what James is saying is, okay, we've had the, the talk about this now. We understand the gravity of it. We understand the inability we have to fix it. So let's talk a little bit deeper about where our words come from can't change it yourself and that's a problem but we got to get deeper there's a source issue here so verse 12 watch this he says my brothers and sisters can a fig tree bear olives or can a grapevine bear figs neither can a salt spring produce fresh water now i don't know how many of you have a fig tree in your yard i thought this might not be as pertinent to you as it might be basically what james is saying you cannot grow bananas on a pine tree come on somebody like this idea of you can't like produce what you are produces what you are. This is a law all the way back from Genesis that like kind produce like kind. And so the things that you are producing, whatever you are, will determine what you produce. It's the point James is making. You can't take something else and make it another. He says, neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. What he's saying, you're in a battle. 
to change your words. But at the end of the day, you are just too salty to be sweet. Come on, somebody. Like we're in this battle. It's biblical. It's not a willpower issue. This is not like a legalistic condemning message of like, why don't you have enough willpower to make this change? Or we're going to have a jar in the foyer when you come next week. And all of us will put a dollar for every curse word that we said this week. Come on, somebody. We'll fund the parking lot. We'll fund the whole thing. We got, we got lots of projects we can figure out. That's not what this is about. This isn't a try harder message. I'm not up here trying to condemn you and say, if you just tried a little bit harder. I hope we realize there's something deeper wrong with us. The words that we speak are showing our internal spiritual health, but it's not because we haven't tried hard. And we realize how mature and how healthy we are by the words we're saying. This is not legalist or condemning. Number three, jot it down. What we really need to do is allow Jesus to change our hearts. James comes to the culmination of this idea. It's incredibly hard to control our words. We're not able to do it on our own. It's a source issue. It's the heart inside of us. Because I admit there's a problem. I acknowledge it. And I acknowledge I'm too salty to ever be sweet. I got a source issue. And the Bible says the heart is the source of our words. Watch this in Luke chapter 6. It says, out of the abundance of our heart, our mouth speaks. Out of the abundance, the overflow, what's inside is what our mouth's actually speaking. You don't have a language problem. You've got a heart problem. We don't have a, a words problem. We have a heart problem. When I'm in Costco checking out and I'm in line and the person in front of me is trying to write a check instead of scanning a card. And they don't know how to even write a check. And I'm getting frustrated because I got places to be and things to do. Come on, somebody. I got things to move. And, today I'm, and all those words that I want to say that a pastor should not say. That's not because of them or because of my situation that I'm just in a rush or anything. There's all the frustrations and the pressures all came to that moment and they are coming out in that moment. It's not a Costco issue. It's a heart issue. It's not a word issue. It's a heart issue. And I'm not pointing the finger at anybody. All of us have heart issues. All of us got problems inside. Here's the principle for you. Jot it down if you want. You can't change what you say until Jesus changes who you are. You're never going to fix this if God hasn't already fixed this. And a lot of us, we're trying our very best with all the willpower we have to make sweet water come out of a salty spring. It's a heart issue. It's not a language issue. It's not a word issue. It's the water that's flowing out of us. Reality is our hearts are messed up. And all of us have problems. All of us need a change in this area. This isn't the time to point fingers or look to the left or the right. All of us have heart issues. That's why when Jesus came, it changed the game for all mankind. Changed over from the Old Testament to the New Testament. Said it's not, it's no longer. I've come to fulfill the law, and now it's about the heart. There's an issue here that you can try as hard as you want, you will break every law. You will try as hard as you want, you will say every word, but it becomes about Jesus actually changing who we are. We become a new creation. The old has passed away. It's about what's happening on the inside. And the truth is, so many of us are hurting today, though. And the reason we're saying these things is because of words that have been said to us. I think some of us are just reliving the wounds and the things that we walk through. And we're just redoing them now. And they're coming out of the same heart. And so we've been wounded and we've carried that. I wonder how many of us are walking out the consequences now of the words that we've said. That we can't figure out what happened in our relationship in a certain area or with that person that we were so close to. We can't figure out why we're seeing the fallout of the damaging words that we're speaking and we're repeating the cycle and we're speaking death over our relationships, over our spouses, over our children, over our careers, over all the things in our lives. We're speaking death and we're trying to navigate the fallout of the things that we have said. 
trying to create things. And I think it's time to allow God to change our hearts. Because James says we all stumble in many ways. This issue touches all of us, myself included. But it's not because we need to try harder. It's because we need God to change us. One last verse, Psalms 19. David prayed this. He said, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart. Why? Because they're linked. They're connected. The things that are in my heart, the things out of it is what my mouth speaks. May both of them be acceptable in your sight. May they be pleasing, O oh Lord, my rock and my redeemer. That's my prayer every day. It's my prayer for you. That we begin to seek the Lord, that he will allow God to do his work in our hearts. Allow his word to be what we meditate on. Allow his word to be the thing that we're pouring into us so that God can change the source so that we can begin to see it in the words that we speak. We begin to change those things, the things that we meditate and the things that we speak, that they would be life-giving to the world around us. Bow your heads with me as we pray today. Father, I pray you would touch us. God, we repent. Lord, we recognize the words that we are saying, that they are death and not life. And so we ask, Father, that you would do a work on our hearts. That we would recognize it's not something we can settle on our own, but that we would help. God, that you would help us. God, that you would pour into us, that you would change the source, Father. That when we can start speaking life to the world around us. You know, I want to pray today that God would heal our hearts. It's not a complicated prayer. It's not a thing. I just want to pray that God would touch us at the source. That we'd be a church that would speak life to those around us. That we'd be spouses that would speak life to one another. We'd be fathers and mothers who speak life to our children. We would be co-workers that would speak life to every person we interact with. We would be people and members that would speak life to other members of Christ's body. We would just speak life. That we would recognize the impact our words are having. I just want to pray over us. Before I do that, one moment though. Because there are some of you who are here today and you don't have the power of God in your life to change things because you're far from Him. As you hear a message like this and you realize you can't change it on your own, but you're so far from God, you think there's no way He could ever reach me, so I'm just lost in this moment. And I don't know how you got there. Maybe you're in the place that you are because of words that were spoken over you. And maybe it was another pastor or maybe it was a leader or maybe it was a parent or maybe a coach or someone who said something and you have carried that wound and because of it, you have pushed everyone away and you have pushed God away. And so you're saying, there's no way, no way I could ever be made right. No way I have a chance back. Listen to me. I don't care what words were spoken over you. Hear what God speaks over you, that he loves you, that he cares about you, that he wants you. That he's not looking to get even with you for the things that you did. That's not what his heart is. He wants to rescue you out of whatever place you have found yourself in. That he still loves you. And right now you have a chance to run back to him. Too many times we let the wounds of our lives drive us from God. Run back to him. He is the only one who can redeem any part of your life and who can set you back on a course. He is the only one that can give you actual healing. So right now you have an opportunity. And it's an honor of our church. Every week we make this offer. Listen, this isn't about joining a church movement. This isn't about, I'm going to take you to a back room and try to extort money. This has nothing to do with anything that maybe you have preconceptions about church. Right now you have an opportunity 
to accept salvation that is free for everyone. To have a relationship with God that he would love to have with you. And it starts with a prayer of surrender. In our church, we have dedicated this moment. We will pray this with every single person who wants to make their lives right with God. And I can give you the words to it. It's a simple prayer, but you have to pray it and you have to mean it. And the entire course of your life, not just here on this earth, the entire course of your eternity can be changed in this moment. So pray this with me. If you say, I want that change, I want to make that decision. In church, we pray it with them. Nobody prays alone. Say these words. Say, Jesus, forgive me of all of my sins, all of my mistakes. I believe you died on the cross. And I believe you rose again. And I make you Lord of my life. In Jesus' name. Now, Father, I pray, even for those of us that call ourselves followers of Christ, so many times we stumble. God, we repent today for the words that we have spoken. Lord, we repent today for the words that we chose to speak death over those in our lives. We repent today for the fires that we started with our words. We repent today for the destruction we have laid waste. God, we repent the times we've been critical, the times that we've lied, the times, Father, that all these things we've allowed to rise up inside of us. God, we thank you, though, that you are going to change us from the inside out. Lord, if it takes you breaking us to do it, then break us. If it takes you changing our hearts, change our hearts. Whatever it is, God, we ask you right now, change who we are so we can change the words that we speak. Father, we pray it so that we can be mature and complete, not lacking in anything, God. We want to live this life for you. And we pray it all in Jesus' name. And all God's church said amen and amen. Come on, can we give God praise for what he's done today?